now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Yep. It's amazing how much there is in telling a story. Explain. Well, I mean, there's just so many components. There's the context. There's the time. There's the environment. There's the uh, culture. The culture in which the story is is being created and shared. Um, So language. Part the, of the culture. Yeah, language would be a part of it, but also um, the, the, the content and the context. A certain kind of Doris Day, Rock Hudson kind of story, you know, today wouldn't, wouldn't play like it did 60 years ago, whatever that was. Right. You know, it's just, it's literally a different world. Literally yeah. a different world. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, I guess you see this all the time in period pieces and mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. You know, the meticulous effort that goes into creating every detail of a world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Wes Anderson also, and from an artificial level, is a good example of that. He creates very specific worlds. But within that world, even within that world, it's still playing today. So we have to either enter that world and be transported back to that world or, or forward to that world in futuristic things, or, or we reject it. Right. And the the difference in in that the difference in that is the difference between um something that's being built on a on a psych, uh, a modern day psychological profile as opposed to going deep into the archetypical energy or the energy of <clears throat> something that lasts forever. For instance, Doris Day and Rock Hudson was basically the psych- the pop psychology of the 50s. Or, or, or the kind of um, the kind of pop culture. Yeah, it's a pop culture that the pop culture was pushing as an agenda at that time. And so today, no one, no one really resonates with Rock Hudson and Doris Day films. That's true. Yeah, because they were pushing an agenda of that pop culture. It only spoke to that. It has a very limited shelf life. Oh, I see where you're going. I was like, where is Josh going with this? It's yeah. Drive me crazy. Yeah. Um, yes. And in, in certain TV shows of the 80s, they don't play anymore. Why? Because they were only they were only doing the psychology of that particular culture at that particular time, and it doesn't play outside of it. However, a TV show like I Love Lucy or um, I'm trying to think of like another good TV show that goes beyond that that goes beyond the current culture. Magnum P.I. Okay. Ellie <laughs> Law? That was so good. You're, you're Welcome back, like, Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Things that have been tiny, like... Um, I think... I think like f- The Little Rascals? Oh, you're so much fun. Actually, actually, I, I don't know that show that well, but I feel like, I feel like to some de- degree that would still play. Like, for the instance... Three Stooges? Um, if you want to go into that world, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of stuff that's still people care about. That's a hundred years old in TV. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, All in the Family, to some degree. All in the Family had a shelf life. And and now we look at it, in, in hindsight, we see those shows so differently. And yet, and yet those archetypes are still present. So is your point that there are certain, like, I mean, the person who comes to mind who are the writers who become timeless, like Shakespeare, right? Like, even though we know this is another time, mm-hmm. and this was written 500, 400 years ago, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, we don't, we still care. In the feature film world, they, they, they say this, they go, it still plays. Meaning it still resonates. It still has impact today. It has, it has legs, how, however you want to say it. Do yeah, you, I mean, I've had, I've had big arguments with people about this because I have a really hard time watching films from the 40s and 50s. Right. And I think part of it is that I think the acting... Because the acting represented the popular culture of the day. That's what I'm saying. It's both. It's, it's both. The, the delivery perform- of the lines is very stilted, and it, very forced, and very feeling uh, untrue to me. Yes, because that was that was that was the popular culture that they were pushing. In that, a housewife acted this way, and you should act this way too. There was no individuality in the way we know it. In, in today or that's what know. I wonder about those movies when I watch it I'm like this is this can't be how people actually spoke right right like it, it just doesn't and they don't have that funny like music playing in the background either and they don't wear those little that little, those little outfits as they as they as they vacuum the floor yeah. do you know what I mean right yeah but but because we were post World War II we wanted to get back to normalcy really fast and we needed to build archetypes and structures that were not based in reality that conform to like Susie Homemaker and getting a uh, a washing machine and being happy. Right. And then 70s film comes along and is hyper real. Mm-hmm. And it's a backlash. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the beginning of independent filmmaking in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then you have this magical like 10 year period basically of film mm-hmm. starting in the late 60s to the late 70s. Yeah. It's actually a really good um, book by Peter Biskin called Easy Riders Raging Bull. Oh, about that period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really remember. Loving, but I remember it's so weird because we talk about resonance, and uh, I remember I can't stand f- like 40s and 50s filmmaking, but starting around like mid to late 60s, maybe with a graduate, mm-hmm. I became completely obsessed. And I remember there's a period in my 20s where I literally locked myself into my apartment mm-hmm. with my then girlfriend, and we just went down the line like everyone from like Michael Cimino to Coppola to Peter Bogdanovich mm-hmm. to Mike Nichols, and we just watched to Sidney Lumet. We watched like every one of their movies. Like, and I was just because, and they would still have been somewhat dated. They would, have st- mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I still, they were trying to do like authentic story. Okay. So what you just called out to, to identify these films across the board were directors. Right. Exactly. Well, there were distinct points of views and distinct stories. But 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 that's what was happening back then. Was that the, the artist, the artisanal director, was had the the personal strength and also the, the the clout to make their films their way before corporate America. Came. I'm not trying to make corporate America against artists, but but you know that's what was structurally happening in that time. So they had that space. They yeah. had that space to create. I think most create. people agree that film changed drastically around 1980. Yeah, and you can't you can't tell me in the same way of uh, directors that were working in the 40s and the 50s 
in the 60s, you can't name them because they weren't allowed to have a stamp. I'm trying to name one. Exactly. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying the, you could. What's the fat one who drank all the time? Um, you mean Hitchcock because he was doing the Hitchcock? Well, no, Hitchcock is obviously, well, I mean, but Hitchcock that, but is kind he, of famous. He goes, yeah. Obviously very famous. Very famous, yeah. No, there was the one, uh, Preston Sturgis. Is that what I'm thinking of? There is a guy, and there's also Orson Welles. Orson Welles, those people. But like, but uh, it's not like it was, like you just rolled, like, you yeah, just rolled out six deep. or seven. The 70s like, were deep. Everyone, yeah. There was a lot of people doing a lot of work. And so here's my point for, for artists and actors and writers today is don't buy into the psychology of today. If you buy into the psychology of today, it will not have a shelf life. You have to embed it with something deeper so it will resonate past today. So here's what I want to qualify. When you say the psychology of today, what do you mean? That people should act and behave in a certain way. Okay. Oh, he's a narcissist. Oh, she's a da da da. And I've I've given I've I've assigned certain behaviors to what a narcissist would be like. Right. And then I I execute in my performance or in my writing to the exclusion those behaviors. Hmm. That is not a human being. That is you're 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 taking what's popular in the, today's culture and embedding it into your material. And because of that, you're giving it a very short shelf life. You know, it's interesting because I remember when I was in college, I took one of these ridiculous classes with the title like American Masculinities, mm-hmm. in which some professor I, I recall basically taught her dissertation. And but the one thing mm-hmm. I remember is so much of that class was centered on like a lot of it was on like the 50s and the 40s because and it, and it harkens back to like what you're talking about, which is that they had very distinct ideas of what it was to be a post-World War II man. Yeah. Um, and it's also incredibly boring to watch in hindsight yeah. because it's so like cookie cutter yeah by design because we just went through world war ii and we had to get back to normalcy we had to start creating babies we had to start uh, the expansion west yeah and we had to give people the america that's when the american dream was born of living in the suburbs because no one had done that before yeah yeah it's the beginning of the suburbanization of america yeah people leaving urban centers so if we go back to this premise don't play to the psychology of the day you're in or the ideals of character it sounds like almost mm-hmm. the label the do label you, do you ever see that manifest today do well, you see people producing stories where you're like this is so cut from an archetype like what an archetypal man and woman in 2019 and it'll it's it feels a little untrue to me because there's no flaws or nuance in the characters they're they're kind of one note but maybe not flaws is because you can have like uh like a woody allen character where like it's Mm -hmm. one note Mm -hmm. in a sense it's one note but it's the same sort of like neurotic note Mm -hmm. with all with all due respect to to this genre but you know those 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 uh women in trouble you know uh, what's that called? Uh, lifetime, lifetime. Uh, oh yeah. Hallmark or. Oh yeah, yeah. I once thought about writing one of those. Yeah. It's like the same idea. It's it's like, woman in trouble. There's yeah. someone stalking her. Yeah. And she's got a neighbor who's a cop who she becomes friends with slash romantic interest. Uh-huh. And he tries to save her, mm-hmm. and then it turns out the killer and the cop are the same. <laughs> like that one of those <laughs> sure yeah that's good you're done hey all right check <laughs> so those 
what would bend towards what I'm talking about. Because because you're really dealing with the archetypical victim of the feminine, and then you know the 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 knight in shining armor on on his white horse, and you're putting it through the lens of today, which is instead of being a sheriff, it's a detective, but it's the same thing, you know, right? The sheriff of of a of a western film in the '40s is the same as the guy who's a cop in, right? Yeah, it's the same. So you would say the saloon girl is the same as the girl who works at a massage parlor. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, so when you write, you're saying like, it's worthwhile to take a step back and be like, are these characters like just archetypes of the time I, I, I'm living in and are they, um, I guess for lack of a better word, complex. Yeah. Real. Real. Yeah. And and then and we're using archetypes of today's world, which is like the cop, the prostitute, the uh, the lawyer, the judge, right? These are. But then we also can use we can use the in depth uh, uh, archetype, which is like uh, Merlin, like a Mer- like instead of saying instead of saying oh here's the doctor, you know, bring in the energy of Merlin, mm. which is a whole nother energy which has a deeper resonance, which goes and here's my point, which goes beyond the psychology of today. And you tap into something that that has richness and depth, mm. and because of that, it'll have longer legs. It'll be more relevant ten, twenty, thirty years from now than. It's almost like the relationship draws it out. Is what you're talking about? Because if you say Merlin, it's like this archetype. It's forget the word archetype. It's the idea of the wise elder. Yes, and uh, you know you see it like Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid, and in, yeah. in a way, is like the Merlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And that it's that relationship that, which is why I think Karate Kid kind of was interesting in, in many respects, is the relationship of the father figure and the wise father. Otherwise, it becomes it becomes a carbon copy of all the other films in that genre. If if you don't have that specificity in there and that like you just said relationship, if you don't have it in there, it it it, it will be as forgettable as the ones that that were made that year that no one remembers. Mm. And there were ones that were made as off, you know, one-offs from the, from from the Karate Kid. Right. That happens. That happens every time you do a feature film that that's hugely successful. Other people do, uh, you know, they copy it to some degree. Usually, what's interesting too is also the sequels are usually not as good. Yeah, there's that too. And but I and I wonder if the sequels are not as good because the relationships uh, change or resolve themselves or is not as interestingly or defined, right? Like if you think about the Rocky reboot, did you see Creed? I've heard about it. I didn't see so it. So Creed was the the Rocky story from the perspective of Apollo Creed's son. Yeah. They had to they totally redefined a relationship and mm-hmm. now it was Sylvester Stallone was, you know, the coach mm-hmm. and Apollo Creed's son was the one he had to train. So mm-hmm. and it did really well. And mm-hmm. and it was it was a good movie to watch. It was also um you know, he loses the fight and it, and stories that are not just transparently about winning i think do mm-hmm. better because it, it there's actually yeah there's a story about depth yeah and but i think that there there's that it's like they it survives a little bit because it's much more about the truth of that relationship and it's and and to layer it you know rocky in that movie knew the fighter's father and this there's this the son right. searching for the ghost of the father right so anyways, well, what does that sound like? Uh, I, I mean, y- Hamlet. Hamlet. 
That's right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so, it, it, so when you go into those into those depth writings, you really want to tie it in because even even if even if you don't know that storyline from Shakespeare's play, on an energetic level, we all know it, mm. and we want to see that being played out. That's why that's why those that's why those storylines are with us forever. Yeah, because the human consciousness w- wants to see it played out because that's what we're going through. And if you go through it in a in a in a real way, not a pop psychology. This is what I'm trying to push here. In a real way, not a pop psychology, not a label driven. Oh, I'm I'm the I'm the uptight, neurotic, uh, lawyer. Oh, I'm the I'm the chill. Basically, Josh's message is. Don't write hack characters. Be original. <laughs> Do the work of finding an original character in relationship. Yeah, and and, and by using by using the the, mm, the past, it's not it's not like you have to invent anything new. It's like it's like uh, Tarantino when he did that thing with those two guys talking in there. They're going to go execute someone. They're talking about hamburgers. Yeah. You have a very strong juxtaposition. You have two guys about to execute someone, and at the same time, they're talking about lunch. Yeah. That's what made it so interesting. If it was just two guys talking about lunch, you wouldn't care. Or but two guys just talking about executing someone. You wouldn't care. But you put those two together. Now it's character. Yeah, and, and character and execution and relationship and all those other things. You're, you're drawn in inexplicably, and people remember, what do they call a Big Mac in France or whatever? Yeah. And I only saw the film once, but it's embedded. Why? Yeah. Because he did juxtaposition with well with well drawn characters with amazing actors. Well, hopefully you have been drawn in, listeners. Go draw yourself into the web of social media. Go to Facebook and Instagram and like us. And like if, us a lot. Like, like us a like, lot. Like, you can also rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the iTunes Store. Leave a review. Leave a review. We like reviews. Reviews are good. We have like forty reviews now. Really? Yeah. And then you could also pretend like that we're out, out like you know, the the three of us are out on a date, and you know how like at the end of the date you kind of review like oh, I really liked Adam. He was really nice. He said really nice things about. Him. You could you could review us like that. You know, like, like yeah, I I go out with Adam again. Yeah, that's right. You can yeah. literally take us on a date. <laughs> Just put us on the table and turn it on on the date. Oh, oh, we'll come. We'll go on any date as long as you bring in three mics and some heads, head, you know, some headgear, you know, yeah, yeah. three mics and a recorder, and a recorder, um, three mics and a recorder, three mics and a recorder. <laughs> oh, Joshua. Well, we'll be back next week as we are every week, uh, and the sound on the show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. If you have a question and you would like us to do a show about us notes on your notes at gmail.com email us the sound design and editing is courtesy of me and we will talk to you next week